This message was presented at the GYC 2012 conference in Seattle, Washington. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. I want to welcome you this morning. Thankful that you are here. Excited that you are here. And I hope that you're excited. I'm very really thankful to be here this morning. I'm very thankful to be alive. Amen. And we were thankful that the person next to you is alive. Amen. Amen. Praise God this morning. Are you tired yet, GYC? No. Praise the Lord. You know, the temptation is as we go further along in GYC, you're going to get more tired. And the temptation is going to be not to come to the meetings. But I want to challenge you every morning, friends. Wake up early. Do your devotion. Spend time with Christ and then come to the meeting. How many of you are ready for outreach this, this afternoon? Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you something, friends. This experience, if you have not been on it before, will change your life. I want to encourage you to go, and not just to go, but take someone else with you. Make sure that if there's somebody who's trying to skip out, that you grab them and say, you're going with me. You're going to be my outreach partner. God has somebody behind a door today that He wants you to impact. You have the opportunity this afternoon to impact someone's life for all eternity. I can remember in Ukraine, we had, a, a, we had an AFCO school over in Ukraine, and we had 30 students, and the leadership there said, you can never knock on doors in Ukraine. And we said, why not? They said, it'll never work here. And we said, boy, you must sound, it sounds like you've had a negative experience with this. They said, well, we've never actually tried it. But we know our people. We know it won't work. We sent 30 AFCO students, 20 church members out knocking on doors, and in about five hours, they had over 300 requests for Bible studies. Amen? We are anticipating miracles today We're anticipating God to do great things. It was once said, if you are not a missionary, you are a mission field. Amen? Amen? Amen. I want to ask you to pray this morning for two things. Pray this morning. One, my son is very sick at home. He had, it's been confirmed by the doctor yesterday, he has the flu. So I want to ask you to pray for him and uh, that he'll get better. Secondly, I want you to pray for three things. I want you to pray for me that God's Spirit would speak through me and through His Word today, and that we would be passionate about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Third thing I want you to pray for is for yourselves, that God would impact your hearts with the Word. And actually, I want you to pray for four things, and that is the person beside you, that their hearts would be impacted. Amen? We want to be drawn closer to Jesus this morning. We want to have an experience with the living Christ. How about you? Would you kneel with me this morning as we pray? And as we begin, Father in heaven, we thank you so much today for the rich treasure that is in your word. We're thankful today for Jesus, who loves us more than his own life. We're thankful today for souls whom you are drawing to yourself even this very hour. You are arranging divine appointments for this afternoon, even this very moment. And we want to pray, Lord, in a special way that your Spirit would be poured out upon our hearts today and that Jesus would be uplifted. We would be passionate and excited about Him, about His Word, about His mission, about His church. 
And I ask, Lord, today that you would impact our hearts in a powerful way. Speak through us today. Help us to understand you in a way we haven't before. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember when I first <clears throat> had my, my first encounter with the Word of God. I was 22 years old. I did not grow up as a Christian. I did not grow up as a Seventh-day Adventist. I didn't know much about the Bible. I didn't know much about God. And through the course of my life, I endured a lot of different things. I'm going to tell you a very brief version of my testimony. Growing up, I played high school football, and I was one of the most, uh, one of the top football players in the state of Alabama. I was being recruited by a number of different colleges, and I was kind of like the star of my community. But in that time, my life, there was something missing from my life. When I was 17 years old, my parents, who had been married for 20 years, decided to get a divorce. My mother, in the midst of that, tried to commit suicide. Thank God that he prevented it. But growing up, friends, I did not have the advantage of a Seventh-day Adventist Christian home like many of you have. And because of the hard things that I experienced in my life, I became an atheist. I wanted nothing to do with a God that would allow me to suffer that much, not knowing how much He had suffered for me. And so I became a hardcore atheist, a pro- not just an atheist that says, I don't believe in God, but an atheist that would have been in the face of any Christian cursing them and swearing at them, telling them what a foolish thing that they believed in. I went to a state university where I studied evolution. I studied all these different theories of, of, you know, the stuff that they teach there, evolution. I know all that stuff. And my life became a disaster. And my life continued to spiral downward until it reached a point where I was thinking about committing suicide. I thought the Bible was a fable, and I wasn't afraid to tell people so. And so there I was, thinking about suicide. I thought, if this is all that life has to offer, I was miserable, I was broken, I was hurt. I had experienced a lot of pain in my life. And I said, if this is what life is about, why even live? And so the more I thought about suicide, a thought began to come to my mind, and I only know now that it was from the God of heaven. God said, why don't you, start stu- why don't you study the Bible? And the more I tried to put that thought out of my mind, the more it came. It got stronger. And so finally one day I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to prove the Bible wrong. I'm going to uh, prove that God doesn't exist, that there is no purpose, there is no real meaning to life, and then I'm going to commit suicide, and I want to cause great pain to my family and those around me who have hurt me so. And so I started studying the Bible started studying Bible prophecy. I began to see that God predicted things that happened in the world thousands of years and and hundreds and even thousands of years before they ever happened. I saw that Bible prophecy was being fulfilled today and it gave me the confidence to know that the Word of God was real, the Word of God was true, and it gave purpose. And when I had that confidence, I turned to the Gospels and I began to read about the life of Jesus. And never in my life had I ever read something so pure, something so powerful, something so life-changing. And Christ changed my life. 22 years old, college student on a secular state university of about 12,000 people, I gave my heart to Jesus and my college apartment room. 
And Christ changed my life forever. It was his word that transformed me. And I don't stand before you perfect, I can assure you. I'll be the second person to tell you that I'm not perfect, and my wife will be the first person. (laughs) But by the grace of God, every day, I want to be growing more like Jesus. Amen? Amen? I want to spend time in his word. Because his word is powerful, friends. It is living, it is alive, and it speaks to our generation today. The early church experienced the revolution because of the power and their experience in the word of God. I appreciated Brother Valmy's post on the GYC website about the driving force in the book of Acts. He said that 25 times in the book of Acts, the word of God is mentioned. But you know, I looked at the indirect quotes, the indirect statements, as well as the direct, and the word of God is actually talked about 50 times with indirect and indirect. It was the word of God in its pure, unadulterated form that transformed the lives of the apostles from cowards into champions. Champions of Christ, champions of the gospel, champions of his cause. It was that which would allow them to stand unashamed to proclaim his word to a lost generation. It was the word of God that gave them the wisdom to stand before the Pharisees unflinchingly in the face of death when before they tuck tail and run. No longer cowards, but men of character, men of Christ. Today, friends, I don't want to be a coward when it comes to God's word. How about you? I want to be bold. I want to be sure. I don't want to be annoying and obnoxious. I don't want to be angry, but I want to be passionate about God's word. Amen? Amen. It was the word of God that was a driving force in the revolution in the book of Acts, and it will be also the driving force in the revolution in the last days. I want to look at four points with you very quickly because I have some counterpoints that go along with them. Four points this morning about the word of God in Acts. Number one, it was received. It was what, everyone? It was received. Number two, it was believed. What was it? Number three, it was proclaimed. Say it with me. All right. Thank you, all five people that said that. What was it? The third one? Proclaimed. And the fourth one, it it reclaimed. What was it, everyone? Reclaimed. We're going to look at those points real quickly from the book of Acts. Please turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Chapter 2, we're going to look at our very first point, that it was received. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 and 42. Are you there? If you're there, please say amen. Amen. All right. Ten of you are there. Are you there? All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. The Bible says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. I want you to notice something very interesting about this passage. The simplicity of the faith of the disciples. The Bible says that they received the word how, everyone? How did they receive it? They received it gladly. I want you to think about this for just a minute. There was no issue of debate or discussion about the word. They had a simple faith that accepted the Bible as it was. Amen? Amen. And when they received it as it was, it made them glad. How many of you want to be glad this morning? 
We want to accept the Bible just as it reads. They did not allow their personal opinions to get in the way of the Word working in their hearts. Amen? Does the Word of God bring joy to your heart today? Or does it simply interfere with your own personal desires? If Jesus is leading you in the Word, it'll bring joy to your heart. I remember the first... Uh, first church I attended after I became a Seventh-day Adventist. It was near the university where I attended, and I went to that church for the first time. And there was about 20 people there, and uh, all of them were over the age of 65. You had like you had like 82, 78, 75, 65, 60, and then 22. That was me. And you know what, friends? I sat in that church service. And I was so overjoyed to be there because the Word of God was being preached. And it was the Word of God that drew me to the church, not because my friends were there. Not because there was good music, but because I could hear something that would transform my life. Today, friends, we need to have this kind of experience. The early church was a pure faith Let me tell you what, friends, it was that pure faith, it was that acceptance, the glad acceptance of the Word that transformed their lives. There is transforming power in the Word of God today. How many of you are thankful for that? My father-in-law, who I think is watching right now, there with my wife, my wife's grandfather, my father-in-law's father, was the grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan for the entire state of Alabama. When my father-in-law was growing up, his father was so abusive that at nighttime they would hear gunshots in in the mother's room. They would hear their mother scream and they would run in to find their father drunk, shooting holes through the ceiling. When he was 16, his father tried to kill his mother and to intervene, he ran and got a pistol and shot him. This is the environment that my father-in-law grew up in. Well, by the grace of God, when he left the Navy... Where when he went into the Navy, there was a Seventh-day Adventist there who led him to Christ and led him to the truth of God's Word. Amen? Amen. My father-in-law since that day has become a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. He has raised three churches. He has been an overseas missionary. And the power of God is working through his life today. Let me tell you what, friends. It doesn't matter what background we come from. The Word of God has transforming power. Amen. Amen? Amen? How many of you believe that today? It can change your life. But unfortunately today, friends, we have entered a trend where unbiblical culture is attempting to drown out our commitment and our stance on the Word. In Acts, the Word defined the function of the church. The culture did not define the church. Amen? When this happened, there was no question, when the church was driven by the Word, there was no questions about cultural issues like music like dress, like worship styles, like gender, like gender confusion or gender distinction. These issues are clearly defined in the Word. And if they are not guided by the Word in our lives, then the culture around us will surely guide us. We should never be steered by unbiblical culture, no matter which one. All culture must come under the authority of Scripture today. The Word will transform us, but culture will conform us. There are cultures today that are seeking to invade our church. Cultures from the world, cultures from Babylon, cultures of self. 
We are called to call people out of Babylon. But as a people of God, we must kick Babylon first out of our own hearts. We think that we're calling people out of Babylon today. But Babylon needs to be kicked out of our hearts. The only way to keep unbiblical culture from invading our church is to take a firm stand upon the Word of God and upon the spirit of prophecy today. This is what the early church did, and this is what allowed them to grow. This is what allowed them to be driven forward as a movement of God. And that is the same thing that must drive us in the last days. The Word of God and not culture. Many times, even our own Adventist culture has become a hindrance. Many times we love the positive, good things about Seventh-day Adventist culture. We love our veggie links. We love our Morning Star grillers. We love all these different things, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But dear friends, if we're adapted to Seventh-day Adventist culture, but we have an unsurrendered heart to Christ, there's a great problem with that today. Many times we love the Seventh-day Adventist culture, but we hate the spirit of the three angels' messages because it calls for a full surrender of our lives. And we are unwilling to do it. Unbiblical culture never requires a surrender to anything but my own selfish desires and indulgences. Because the early church was led by the Word, they were able to redefine the culture, not just of the church, but of the world. Of the world. They made an impact. World culture was restamped in the New Testament church because they were driven by the Word. In our culture today, what stamp do you want to leave? Do you want to just leave some Adventist mark like a Vegalink? Do you want to just improve people's diets so that they can become healthy sinners? All these things are biblical, friends. I'm not saying that they're not. These are good things that we must do. But if that's all we do, then all we've done is left a little mark of culture. But we need to see people transformed by the Word of God. Amen? We need people transformed by the truth. We must be a people of the Word. We must be people who spend time in God's Word. How much time are you spending on God's Word today versus Facebook, video games, time with your friends? Is God's Word impacting your life today? The second thing we find is that the Word was believed. It was what, everyone? It was believed. First it was received, then it was believed. Please turn over with me to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 4. The Bible says, however, many of those who heard the Word believed, and the number of men came to be about how many? Five thousand. What I want you to notice in this second point is that the Word of God was not only a simple faith for them, but it was authoritative in their life. You see, friends, it's one thing to hear the Word of God and know the Word of God, but it's another thing to act upon the Word of God. And God today is not calling us simply to hear and to know, but to act. And when the apostles were willing to act upon the Word of God, something divine happened. Souls began to be one to Jesus Christ. Amen? The, wor- the root word, believe, comes from the word be live. Did you realize that? The word believe comes from the word be live. In other words, we're not called to just know the word, but we're called to be the word. We're called to be like Jesus. We're called to live by the word. That is action. Action. 
There's a, Mark Finley, my favorite preacher, says this. There's a difference between having the word of God in your hand to defend the truth and having the word of God in your heart to live the truth. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, if you believe, you will do. And if you do, it is because you believe. Please take note of something very interesting, friends. The Bible says that when the disciples believed, they freely and joyfully accepted the word. Somehow I lost my notes here. Let me come back here. The Bible says that when they believed, the number of them came to be about 5,000. Now I want you to take note of this. There is a direct link between the people of Acts living the word and growing in numbers. Are you with me? There's a direct link between the people of God being faithful to God's Word and then seeing the church grow. They added 2,000 from the 3,000 that had been already there. Now, it's interesting because someone will make the argument, they'll say, well, look at the Adventist church. We're growing by 3,000 a day. It was mentioned yesterday. Thankfully, Adam mentioned that. But let me explain something with to you, friends. They grew by thousands in a day, and they were 12 men. We are growing by 3,000 a day, and we are 20 million. What does that say about our belief in the Word? Friends, when we begin to live the Word, God will move powerfully. Ministry of Healing, page 514. The mere hearing of sermons, Sabbath after Sabbath, the reading of the Bible through and through or the explanation of it verse by verse will not benefit us or those who hear us unless we bring the truths of the Bible into our individual experience. The understanding, the will, the affections must be yielded to the control of the Word of God. Then through the work of the Holy Spirit, the precepts of the Word will become the principles of the life. Amen? Amen. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. I remember a story. A little boy was with his grandfather. And he said, Grandpa, how come Grandma, every time she reads the Bible, she weeps and she cries? Every morning this woman would read Matthew chapter 27, the story of Jesus being crucified on the cross. And he said, every day, Grandpa, she reads the same story and she cries. Why does she cry? The grandfather looked at his little grandson and simply said this, because she believes it. Do you weep at the Word of God this morning? Do you weep? The third point I want to bring out is that it was proclaimed. We've got to move quickly because I want to get into something else before it's time to close. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, please. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the Bible says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was what, everyone? It was shaken, the Bible says. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with meekness. They spoke the word of God with modesty. They spoke the word of God as they felt inclined. They spoke it with boldness, the Bible says. Boldness can only come when we spend time in the presence of our God and Savior. You cannot have boldness without Christ. 
The Bible says that the room where they were at were shaken. And I would pray today, friends, that not only the room would be shaken, but God would shake our hearts. Amen? Amen? They preached the word of boldness. When was the last time, friends, you prayed all night for a soul? When was the last time that you prayed all night over some Bible passage that you wanted to understand and you were asking and pleading with God to reveal the truth to you? When was the last time you did that? Disciples were dedicated friends. I remember the, when I first became a Christian. It was so exciting. I would spend hours and hours and hours in the Word of God. I could not get enough. I was a college student going to classes three to four hours a day. I had no job. I was living off student loans, which I later really regretted. But I would study the Bible all the, several hours into the night and into the early mornings. And I remember, friends, that there were times when I would, as I would read the Word and I was, as I would pray, that I could sense God's very presence in the room. Some people say, I pray and I study, but I don't get anything out of it. Let me tell you, you will get out of it what you put into it. If you are not having an experience with God, get on your knees and do not get up until you do. Somebody says, how long should I pray? How long should I spend time in God's Word? You should spend the amount of time it takes to know you've had an experience with Him. We need to be a people that come back to the Word. The fourth thing I want you to notice is that it reclaimed those that were lost. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 6 verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. It was so powerful in the lives of the disciples that it transformed even the leaders of the Jewish church. Amen? What if we could go out and we could be baptizing ministers of other places, other faiths? Amen? I remember studying with a man who was a minister of another faith, and when he heard the Word of God, he was baptized. I want you to notice, friends, when was the Word of God, when the Word of God was boldly proclaimed, they were multiplied. Today, we are simply adding to the church. But in the book of Acts, God was multiplying. Amen? How many of you think that we need to have a multiplication factor today? In Acts, the Word of God was received, it was believed, it was proclaimed, and it reclaimed. It fed them, it led them, they said it, and they spread it. Amen? If we were to have that experience today, we would see miracles taking place. We would see miracles taking place. Today in Adventism, we long to see those miracles of three, five thousand added to the church. Not just the world church, but the local church. But unfortunately, there are many things that are preventing us from having an experience like the early church. I want to highlight a few of those with you. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to see something very significant to us today. I've got to move rapidly. 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 3. I'm just going to cut to the point here. Bible says, Peter, the, the great apostle, the great Acts revolutionary, says this about the last days. He predicts a time when people would begin to depart from the Word of God. 
Acts chapter, or I'm sorry, 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Bible says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. When? And where are we? Thank you. Walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Does that sound like what some people have said to you here today? Not maybe today, but at some point in your life, they say, oh, we've been hearing for years that Jesus is going to come. I remember when I was in college, they said, don't go to college because Jesus is coming. Don't get married. Don't have kids. But Jesus still hasn't come. You ever heard somebody say that? Notice this, verse 5. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that was then existed perished, being flooded by water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment. Peter tells us that in the last days, people would forget that the word of God has creative power. Not people that were outside of the church, but people that are inside the church because they're saying, where's the promise of His coming? Let me ask you a question. Does that sound like an issue that we have dealt with in recent times? Howbeit that our schools, some of them, are teaching evolution today, forgetting that by the Word of God, the heavens were created. Peter is speaking about our generation today right here in his book. We have left the Word of God. We have forgotten that the Word of God has creative power, and that is being taught. You see, friends, if you don't believe in creation, you cannot be an Adventist, because the Advent movement believes that the same power by the Word of God which created the world is the same power that can recreate your heart today. When God spoke it, it stood fast, and when God says, create in Him a clean heart, we have to believe by faith that it will happen. If we lose our grip on creation, we lose our grip on salvation. We lose our grip on salvation. We lose our grip on the second coming. And it has led to the shipwreck of many in the faith and in the church. And friends, this is an issue that we are dealing with today. Friends, uh, I want to share with you a quote here. Great Controversy, page 595. It says, But God will have a people upon the earth to maintain the Bible, and the Bible only, as the standard of all doctrines and the basis of all reforms. The opinions of learned men, the deductions of science, the creeds, the decisions of ecclesiastical councils, as numerous and discordant as are the churches which they represent, the voice of the majority, not one or all of these, should be regarded as evidence for or against any point of religious faith. Before accepting any doctrine or precept, we should demand a plain, thus saith the Lord, for its supports. We have drifted away from the pure, simple faith of the Word of God. Now, friends, it's easy here at GYC to sit and point the finger at those who have gone astray. Isn't it? It's so easy. Jesus said, before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, take the plank out of your own eye. Did he not? In my years as a layperson, 
working in, and also working in ministry as an evangelist, as a pastor, as an administrator, teacher, and whatever else, I've begun to see a trend that is increasing in Adventism, a very troubling trend, and it exists even here at GYC. I see a trend that's causing spiritual erosion amongst young people today, and I'm going to give it to you in three parts. Are you ready? Are you sure you are ready? It's going to be strong, and I don't say it in anger, I say it in passion and love. Urgency. Are you with me? Firstly, we have had a loss of simplicity. You remember we said that the book of Acts, the the, the disciples had a simple belief in the Word. They accepted it as it it was read, yes? Adventism's failure to make the same impact on the world that the early church did is because our relation to the Word of God today. As Adventists, we are always looking for some new, deep truth to tickle our ears but not to change our hearts. We've left the simplicity of the straight message. We do not want it anymore. We want something that will tickle our ears, something that will wow us. And this has become like an addiction. This tickling has been an addiction, and we are not satisfied with anything less. God wants us to follow the simple truth of the Word. Amen? And God is not wanting to give us anything new until we follow what He has already given. But today we have left the basics. We want something deep, something rich, something true, but we want to avoid the simple truth like loving our brother. We've left the simple truth. The church doesn't need the latest and greatest sermon that unpacks some truth until it lives and believes the truth that God has already laid out. We need to start living it out. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in who? That is in Christ. That is number one. We have left the simple faith. Number two, We have become a celebrity house. I heard somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. I don't know if that was for me or for you. We have become a celebrity house. We have begun to focus. I'm going to read some of this because I want to make sure I get it right. We have begun to focus more on the one that brings the word than the word itself. We have elevated speakers to a level that ought not to be done. When we have a conference coming like GYC or some regional GYC, and praise God for GYC, amen? Praise God for a place where we can come and experience revival and study the Word and learn more about Jesus and His last day message. Thank God for the GYCs everywhere. But a trend that has begun is when there is a GYC, a youth conference that is put on, the first thing we ask is what, everybody? You tell me. You said it. Not me. I'm off the hook. No, I'm just kidding. We always say, who's speaking? And we think that if such and such a speaker isn't there, that we can't get a blessing. Mercy. 
I don't want to name names, but some of us consider preacher A, preacher B, or preacher C to be the man of the hour. And when we attend those meetings where that speaker is present, we will go and we will hang on every word that they speak. And then when that preacher is done, we will leave and go hang out with our friends. For some, we're looking for our next hit, our next fix of our favorite speaker, preacher, and while we ignore everything else, this is an addiction and an unhealthy one and an unbiblical one. Should it matter who is speaking, friends? If that speaker has poured his heart out before God to prepare a message to deliver to the people of God, who are we to say, I can't get a blessing from him? Who are we to say, oh, he's boring? Because you know what, friends? We have come to the point where we are more interested in theatrics than in truth. We'd rather see the preacher dance across the stage than to deliver a true straight statement. Do you think popular speakers are all there are that has preaching talent? There are men and women who pour out their hearts. And if they have surrendered their hearts to the Word of God and prepared a message, then Christ speaks through them just as much as he does anyone else. We have elevated the speaker above the word. We have become, many times, we often have more endearing things to say about speakers than we do about Jesus. Yes, I said it. We've become real, a real American You know where I'm going. We've become a real Adventist idols show. Is it right or no? We like to compare speakers and line them up. We have our favorites, and this one is better than that one. But Paul addressed this issue in his day. I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me, please, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul speaks here with all biblical authority. He says, Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? We are not called, brothers and sisters, to say, I am of this preacher, I am of that preacher. This preacher does it for me, or that preacher doesn't do it for me. If they are preaching the Word of God, it should be the Word of God doing it in your hearts. Turn over to chapter 3, please. Chapter 3, Paul gets a little bit more bold. Please keep in mind that I'm not trying to step on your toes, but the Holy Spirit is. I'm only the messenger. Don't throw tomatoes at me. Talk to the author of the book. Verse 3, Paul says, For you are still carnal. If we have this mindset. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? 
but ministers. Ministers through whom you believe as the Lord gave each one. Look over in verse 21. Therefore let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apostles or Cephas, of the world or the life or death, or things present or things to come. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. We are not called to follow speakers. We are called to follow the Word. And praise God for godly speakers. I am not condemning them. I am not putting them down. We need godly speakers. Amen? Amen. But we cannot idolize them. They put on their pants the same way that you do in the morning. We have faults. Ladies put on their skirts, however they put them on, but they all put them on the same. I don't know anything about it. My wife could tell you. We tend to take sometimes their word for everything. And we often depend more upon the speaker than on the Holy Spirit to guide our own personal study of the Bible. It's like traveling back to the dark ages, brothers and sisters, where the people were dependent upon the priests to tell them what to do. We have replaced our own personal devotional life with downloaded sermons of popular speakers and books about the Bible. We have neglected the Bible in the spirit of prophecy, and we have been receiving, many of us, the word secondhand. I'm not speaking to all of you. But as a result, we've become spiritually weak. We think that we don't have the time to invest in God's Word. And let me tell you something, friends, today. If you think you don't have the time to spend in God's Word, then you are busier than heaven ever intended you to be. Every day you must spend time in the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with respecting these men. But in Acts chapter 10, verse 26, Cornelius comes and bows before Peter, and Peter picks him up and he says, Stand up, for I myself am also a man. Speakers are just men, they're capable of faults. Do not look to them. Too many people have looked to men and idolized them, and when that man falls, it creates a disaster of their faith. We must look to Christ, and we must look to his word. You know what, friends? The devil can preach a good sermon. I'm not calling our speakers devils, you understand. Don't misunderstand me. But my point is, is just because somebody can dance across the stage and entertain you and even preach a good sermon doesn't mean always a hill of beans. What matters is the character of the life. The character of the life. We have become a generation who heard instead of a generation of the Word. We are hearing the Word spoken through others today, but are we hearing Jesus speak to us personally from His Word? We need to come back to a personal experience of the Word. Jesus said to the Pharisees, and He says to us today, you search the Scriptures because in them you think there is eternal life, but they are those which testify of Me. You must have your own experience with the Word of God, young people. You must have, we must come back to a personal experience of the Word. I'm not saying it's wrong to listen to sermons. I'm not saying it's wrong to read other books. But those things were only meant to supplement our own study of the Word, not to replace it. Never to replace it. I encourage you to use audio verse. I encourage you to read other books by, by good speakers. But do not let that replace your own account, your own experience. We think that we've heard it all before. 
But let me ask you something, friends. We think we've heard it all before, but have you applied it to your own lives today? You remember the power behind the book of Acts was not simply that they heard the word, not simply that they knew the word, but that they acted on the word. Amen? How many of you are acting on the word today? How many of you have have been to at least one of the GYC? Let me see your hands. Those of you that are watching, you can raise your hands or in your living rooms. How many of you have been to at least five GYCs? How many of you have been to all the GYCs? How many of you have been to some camp meetings or some other type of youth meetings somewhere? We've all been there, and we all seem to just be falling into the rut that we're becoming seminar junkies, and this word is not taking root in our lives, and we know this because we are not acting upon what we're hearing. I'm not speaking to all of you, but many of you. Now let me ask you something. Here's something a little bit more practical. Is it taking action in your life? When was the last time that you memorized a Bible promise? When was the last time that you shared with somebody what you learned in your devotional life today? Maybe you didn't share with them what you, what you didn't learn. Maybe you didn't ask them that question because you were afraid that they would ask you the same question back and you wouldn't have anything to say. When was the last time you led a person to Christ? and to baptism. Or how about these? We're almost finished for 3 ABN. I know they're stressing out. We're almost finished. How many of you, but I got to say this, how many of you could come up on the stage right now? Do not raise your hands because I may call you up to do it. How many of you could come up on the stage right now and give a thorough discourse on the 2300-day prophecy? How many of you could come up on the stage right now and explain what and why Jesus is doing in the heavenly sanctuary? How many of you could come up on the stage right now and explain why the Seventh-day Adventist church is God's last day remnant church of Bible prophecy? I'm not saying you have to know everything to share something. Don't misunderstand me. But listen, brothers and sisters, for many of us, this word has not taken effect in our lives because we have not acted on it. We have simply heard and we have simply known, but we have not done. I'm going to make an appeal this morning. The Bible brings purpose, power to our lives, and it carries us into the presence of God. When you study the Bible, you get inside the mind of God. What a blessing, amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that it pierces our very soul. Is it piercing your soul today? Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word I have hidden in my what? In my heart that I might not sin against you. Let Let me make something very clear. Who is the word? Jesus, if we have not hidden the word in our hearts, then we have not hidden Christ in our hearts. And if Christ is not in our hearts because the word is not there, then how can he possibly be doing the work of your eternal redemption in your life today? We must be a people who come back to the word. We must be a people who has a simple faith, 
who takes it and reads it and takes it as it says. We must be a people who believe that the Word of God is authoritative in our lives. We must receive it and believe it. But we also must act on it. We must say it and we must spread it. This was why the early church was so powerful. My appeal is this this morning. Three parts. Number one. Maybe today your devotional life stinks. Maybe today you've come to GYC and you have not touched your Bible in two months, three months, six months, a year. God has spoken to your heart today. and He's convicted you by His Spirit and by the power of His Word. And today you say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to get back in your Word. Young people, do whatever it takes. We're so willing to do whatever it takes in the secular world to accomplish. We'll stay up all night to study for that biology test. We'll stay up all night to prepare for that math test. But when it comes to the Word of God, we want to read one chapter and say, I can't get anything out of it and lay it aside. Do what it takes. Find a book that teaches you how to study the Bible. Find a pastor that teaches you how to study the Bible. Do something. Do whatever it takes. But get yourselves back in the Word. And you will experience power. You will experience Christ. I want to challenge you today to get back to the Word. Secondly, I don't want to make it easy for you. I don't want you to go home and memorize a Bible promise. I want you to go home and memorize an entire book of the Bible. An entire book of the Bible. And when you've memorized that book, memorize another book. Why can't you do it, young people? We can memorize the songs, the words of popular songs, secular songs. For three minutes long, we know the words to a song that's three minutes long, five minutes long, but we can't memorize a Bible verse that takes us ten minutes, ten seconds to recite. Why can't you memorize a book of the Bible? Why can't you memorize the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, the book of Hebrews that talks about the heavenly sanctuary? Why can't you do it, young people? You are bright, intelligent young people who are being led by the Spirit of God. Don't go for the easy thing. Go for the hard thing. That's my second appeal. Thirdly, I want you to act upon that word. I'm challenging every single one of you to lead somebody to Christ in 2013. Lead somebody to Christ. Let that word take action in your life. Read it. Memorize it. Live it. And act upon it. This is my appeal to you today. I'm not going to be fancy about it. I'm not going to tell some story. But I want to invite every one of you to stand wherever you are. Just stand wherever you are. And I'm going to give you an invitation this morning to respond, to act on this appeal if you want to restore your devotional life and I don't know you can all come at the same time you may be coming for different reasons but if you want to renew your devotional experience renew your devotional life I'm going to invite you to slip out of your seat and come down here to the front you say God I don't know how I'm going to do it I don't I don't know but you know Somebody here today needs to get themselves back in the Word of God. I invite you to come down here to the front. Secondly, there may be somebody who says, I don't want to accept the easy challenge. I'm going to accept the hard challenge. I'm not going to memorize just a Bible promise. You can start with that. But I'm going to memorize an entire book. I'm going to take the hard things. And thirdly, 
There may be somebody here today who says, I want to lead somebody to Christ. I want that word of God to become real. And let me tell you something, friends, when you lead somebody to Christ, it is the greatest joy in the world. It is a spiritual high that only heaven can give. Young people today, do not settle for anything less than God's best for you. Do not settle for anything less than a thus saith the Lord for the foundation of your life today. Be renewed. Be empowered by the Word of God. The Word of God. It must be the thing that drives our movement all the way until Jesus comes. Is it your desire this morning to not just have, as you have the Word of God in your hearts, knowing that you have Christ in your hearts as well? Is that your desire this morning? I'm going to invite you wherever you are to pray. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father in heaven, you see the young people that have come. And there may be others in their seats who need to come. I pray, Lord, that you will prick their hearts and you will not allow them to rest this weekend until they surrender to you. Lord, empower us by your spirit. Empower us by your word. Let your word dwell richly in us. And let our lives be transformed. And let us change the world by your grace and strength. I pray for each one here that whatever their need is today, whatever reason they came for, that you will minister to their hearts, you will minister to their mind, and you would make them close with you in a very intimate and special way. And then you would use them to press forward this Seventh-day Advent movement to the uttermost parts of the globe and see Jesus come. This is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.